fluent in kannada and english she was a particular threat to her ideological enemies in this personal is political narrative senior journalist and analyst chidanand rajghatta examines the lives of two people against the volatile backdrop of an increasingly fractious and intolerant india so you know the two of you were married at one point so and actually one of the uh, impressive things about this book is the fact that you guys actually became friends again and you know enough to be to maintain it over many decades so talk about that to begin with well like uh, you know like and it's unusual uh, it is very unusual i agree uh, and like all breakups and you know divorces we had our moments of uh, you know stress bitterness uh, anger some residual um hard feelings uh but uh, what helped was uh, the passage of time and also uh, distance because i moved to the us in 1994 um so at uh, 10000 miles and uh, 3 dollars a minute <laughs> phone calls it becomes difficult to uh, fight but um, more seriously uh, uh, time and distance helped Uh, and also uh, we had a fundamental respect for each other in terms of reading our mm. sort of intellectual companionship we, we grew up together and we read many of the same books mm. uh, so we had a fundamental uh, you know respect uh, be, i mean beyond affection there's also respect and hearing each other uh, so and then so the that distance, persisted that persisted the distance helped uh, the healing process was uh, you know fast Mm. Um, I'd visit India those days at least once a year, uh, and she made a couple of trips to the U.S. We kept in touch, and we just became friends. But what um, was the most difficult part about writing this book? Putting it in the sort of larger context. I mean, it was very easy for me to write a sort of straight-up um, biography or what you know about her life. Mm. Uh, but this was more than about her life. It it was what uh, you know her struggle, what it represented, and her growth. You know, so I had to dig through a lot of uh, correspondence, memories, and also look back on the days when we grew up uh, in Delhi. Uh, you know, we grew up in very exciting times, I and mean, it's it's still exciting, of course. It's a little it, too exciting now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. But even back in those days, you know, we uh, literally uh, these are lessons of life. We grew up, you know, at the sort of intersection of uh, Mandal, Masjid, uh, you know, uh, the whole agitation, both in terms of reservations um, and the whole temple controversy, uh, and uh, sort of uh, you know growth of uh, sort of illiberalism and 
Uh, I've mentioned, for instance, that uh, the entire Kalburgi uh, mm. episode uh, murder was an offshoot of Salman Rushdie's book. Yes, uh, you know, contextualized yeah, the whole thing. Satanic verses. And it didn't hit me for a long time, actually. I, when I was writing the book, wasn't I suddenly remembered that uh, I had interviewed Kalburgi uh, for India Today. I used to work for India Today in those days, the magazine. And I had actually sold the story or told editors at an editorial meeting that this is worth writing in the context of Rushdie's book, uh, Satanic Verses, being banned. It had just been banned in uh, 1988. And it was banned by the Rajiv Gandhi government, by the Congress government, supposedly, you know, progressive or secular or whatever. So we were in Delhi at that time, and all these debates were taking place. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, the Mandir Masjid thing reached a climax in 1991 uh, uh, and then um, it, that led to the resurgence of BJP and the BJP, uh, you know, NDA coming to power. So, yeah, we grew up in exciting times and putting all that in context, you know, around, you know, her life mm -hmm. was a challenging uh, sort of part. Okay, this whole anti-rationalism that's like increasing, you know, that's growing now and, and it was a result of the anti-rationalism that she was, uh, you know, shot. So, you know, talk about that and the fact that also, the, like, I brought this up before, the whole Lingayat debate that she was, and that also ruffled a lot mm -hmm. of feathers, mm -hmm. right? Because of her saying that the Lingayats are a separate uh, religion. So it was kind of, a, from what I can get from your book, it's a kind of a combination of all these factors as right. well. Yeah. So uh, two things there. One is, of course, we, both of us studied in a college which was literally the birthplace of the Indian rationalist uh, movement mm. uh, back in the 70s. So our uh, uh, guru, teacher, who was the vice chancellor of Bangalore University, Dr. H. Narasimhaya, he was known as HN, uh, was the sort of, uh, you know, uh, father figure for the Indian rationalist movement along with a uh, Sri Lankan rationalist called Abraham Coor. Yes, you mentioned. Uh, and Dr. Coor's life, later on I found out, was made into this movie by uh, Amir Khan. Uh, really? I think it's a PK. Uh, was oh, movie. really? Yeah, it was based uh, yeah, on his based life, Based on was Coor's it? life, yeah. Oh. Because he was, uh, Coor has, had a very you know, rational scientific mind. And Dr. H.N. and Coor, they, they used to hold classes, actually, rationalism classes, to debunk superstition and all this, you know, mumbo That's jumbo, <laughs> you know, like this to teach, you know, fire walk, walking on fire and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, so we grew up in a very uh, a school which is very strong uh, on rationalism, on science and scientific temper. Uh, they used to have, uh, they, uh, Dr. Etienne founded the Bangalore Science Forum and we okay. had the top scientists, you know, in the country and even those who were visiting come and talk to students. Um, so that was the educational part and uh, very early on uh, uh, Dr. Chen and his followers would debunk all these sort of godmen, you know, phony charlatan guys <laughs> debunking, you know, Baba's, uh, you know, uh, was a favorite uh, sort of uh, pastime those days. Dr. Chen, uh, you know, was very active in that. Uh, and then uh, around that time we also learned about our own, we, we were... We happened to be Lingayas. We were not practicing. We, you know, we never. Uh, but bit by bit, we started to read uh, more she than me. Uh, that uh, you know, this is an amazingly progressive uh, religion. Later mm -hmm. on, she argued that it's a religion, it's a religion, which is one of the big. This thing, it's for the longest time, it's always been regarded as a caste. Yeah. And the, one of the fundamentals about that religion, which really appealed to us mm -hmm. and appealed to her, was that uh, you know it it. Preaches gender equality, right? Basaveshwara, who is the founder of the religion, 
uh, had something called Anubhava Mantapa, which mm. was essentially a parliament or an assembly of people. And in that assembly, not only did people from all uh, levels of society, the so-called OBCs of today, or even the un untouchables, so-called untouchables, participated, but also women, which was fascinating, right? I mean, women had a voice in this assembly of people in the 12th century, yeah. you know, and not just any women, it, it was open to, you know, poets and, you know, cooks and prostitutes and, uh, you know, boatmen. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was Inclusive. an example of, you know, egalitarian society, you know, in this small part of the country down south. Um, and uh, it, it, it was very striking to us. And we kept wondering, so how did it all go away? How did it, you know? Yeah, no, I found become... that really fascinating. And even those stories about, you know, that intercaste marriage, which led to that right. huge uprising. violence and yeah. uprising. And this is happening in the 12th century when, uh, you know, the rest of the world and the United States was barely populated, <laughs> you know, and in Europe, they were still killing each other by, you know, the thousands. And here we were, you know, a very progressive, uh, egalitarian society, mm. uh, you know, 800 years ago. It's, it's you know, uh, quite astonishing. So these two things actually combined uh, to sort of make us aware. Mm. In one sense, we should also try and understand the context of uh, the resentment of, uh, you know, the fundamentalists and traditionalists mm. uh, against this so-called secular uh, or whatever lefty crowd or the deracinated crowd as I call it because they, they their argument is valid that you guys don't even know uh, you know your own country or your own culture or your own society but it's not as if they themselves know anything that's you know? true yeah yes yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah and some of it is actually totally bogus you know they, yeah. they, 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 social are, media, they, they, are a, they put out a lot of BS a creation know, of yeah, uh, colonialism yeah, they do that. Okay, so great. So we could like, I mean, I could keep talking about this book for a long time, but we have to stop. But, um, you know, I, I think I think everybody should go out and buy this book, not just because it's about Gauri Lankesh and, uh, you know. It's about a, India. It's about India. Yeah. It's about India and it's about India, like, you know, you've contextualized the whole thing and you've given us a picture of what illiberalism is in the Indian context from the 90s onwards, actually. So, great. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being with you. Okay. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.